Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who was accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we began our review of the testimonies of two crime scene investigators from the state's law enforcement division. In this installment, we continue that review with more of the testimony of SLED agent Melinda Worley. That's all coming up right after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It is nearing lunch on January 27th. 2023, the third day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. South Carolina Assistant Attorney General Savannah Goud continues her direct examination of Agent Melinda Worley, a senior criminalist in the latent print unit of the SLED Forensic Services Lab, who is qualified as an expert in footwear and tire impressions. Again, Miss Worley sports short brown hair parted down the middle. She wears a dark blazer with a gold lapel pin over a royal blue blouse. In our previous episode, Agent Worley described coming upon the crime scene and the initial steps she took to collect evidence. We concluded as she described the collection of evidence and photographic documentation of Paul Murdoch's body and the cell phone that was discovered resting on it. As we begin today, Prosecutor Goud asks the witness about the collection of evidence in the feed room near which Paul Murdoch's body lay. Now, did y'all process the inside of the feed room? We did. Agent Horley, I'm going to ask you to take a look. Let's take the exhibits. In general, what are those pictures of? Uh, they're all taken inside the feed room. Uh, a lot of them are, are footwear impressions. And are those um, true and accurate representations of the feed room as it was the night of the murders on June 7th? Yes, they are. Your Honor, at this time, I would offer those exhibits into evidence. They're admitted without objection. Agent Worley, um, this is State's Exhibit 27. You could um, tell the jurors what they're looking at in this picture. That's a view looking from the door into the feed room. And um, what can we see on the um, on the floor there? Uh, there's marker one is the uh, shot shell wad. Um, there's also suspected blood and tissue, um, possible uh, pieces of skull on the floor. And then um, looking back at that window, uh, there were several bullet defects in the window from the glass. And State's Exhibit 26. Uh, that's showing uh, the feed room also, but it's showing more of the door, the outside of the door. And at, if you notice the top of the door, what can you see up there? Uh, it looks like uh, blood, and there's also hair uh, on top of the door. State's Exhibit 30. That's uh, behind the, the door to the feed room. And what is, what's back there? The, there were two 12-gauge uh, shot shells on the fire, fired shot shells on the floor behind the door, and also uh, there were uh, there was hair behind the door. 
State's Exhibit 31. That was after we marked the two fired shot shells as markers 9 and 10, uh, and also showing them the shot shell wad at marker 1 in the same photo. And State's Exhibit 26. That's a close-up of the shot shell wad at marker 1, and there's also a partial footwear impression in blood. And do we see some little round pellets there? Yes, there were pellets on the floor. 32. And that's a close-up of the shot shells at 9 and, nine and 10. Were those shot shells collected? Yes, they were. Were those um, shot shells were collected, um, what did you do with them? Uh, we photographed them first before we pick them up. Um, we packaged them, uh, write the information on the packaging as to what, what it is, uh, where, where it came from at marker 9 and 10, date and initial and time it was collected. Were they submitted to the lab and placed in these big plastic bags? I transferred them to a crime scene lieutenant. Uh, I'll ask you to take a look at these for okay. me. Do those appear to contain item 1 and items 9 and 10? Yes. And also some other items that were collected? Yes. This time I will have Agent Corley open the bag and remove items 1 and items 9 and 10. All right, so um, item 1 is what? That is the uh, shot shell wad that was at marker 1. And um, how do you know that is the shot shell wide that you collected? It's my handwriting on the box, uh, my initials, uh, my initials on the seal, on the tape. And then um, item 9 and item 10. And these are the two shot shells, fired shot shells at markers 9 and 10. This one is the one at marker 9, it's 12 gauge federal, and one at marker 10 was, uh, I believe, Winchester 12 gauge. This time, let's take move items 29, shot shell wad, and item 34, the 12 gauge federal, and item 33, 12 gauge Winchester, into evidence. Okay. Without objection. All right. Also, in that feed room, we were looking at what appeared to be some bloody footprints. Is that right, Agent Horley? That's right. You can see those footprints here in State's Exhibit 27. You can see them. About State's Exhibit 35 here. Yes, uh, there are two right there at, at marker one. So right down in here? Yes. So in your training and experience as a footwear examiner, did you have occasion to examine those footprints? I did. And did you have some shoes to compare those footprints to? Yes, I uh, took custody of the shoes that Paul was wearing when I attended his autopsy, I was able to compare those to the footwear impressions in the feed room. And now how, how do you do that? Uh, we make test impressions of the shoes after they've been photographed uh, with, with ink on the bottom of the shoe. Um, I have someone similar who wears the same size, usually um, wears the shoe and steps on a piece of uh, cardstock paper. We make as many test impressions as we need to make sure I've gotten all the area at the bottom of the shoe. Um, then I reprint those test impressions on transparencies. Uh, it makes it easier to overlay those on top of the photographs of the unknown impressions at the crime scene. And I compare the unknown impressions from the crime scene to the overlays that I place of Paul's shoes. So you make a, a transparent overlay and you place it on pictures to determine if they correspond. That's right. State's Exhibit 148, what is that? That is a uh, printed version of the test impressions that we created of Paul's shoes. And State's Exhibit 199? That one is the right shoe. Uh, the first one was the left shoe. 
And there are, I guess, two impressions of each shoe there? That's right. All right. So using um, the impressions you made in the photographs, did you make any determinations? I, I determined they were, they were corresponding consistent with the outsole design of Paul's shoes. We'll look a little closer here. It takes Exhibit 138. Is that a picture that you used from the crime scene to compare to Paul's shoes? It is. What did you determine regarding that? That one was also uh, consistent with the outsole design of Paul's shoes. Take exhibit um, 39. Both of those were the same outsole design as Paul's shoes. And um, we'll go back to um, take exhibit 40. And if you're standing in the feed room, what position are those shoes facing? Those are facing the window. Facing the window. Right. Did you also notice the door of that feed room? I did. And what about the door? Uh, there was uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, blood, brain, brain matter uh, on, the, on the outside of the door, uh, not so much on the, the inside, of, uh, interior side of the door. There's a little bit at the very top but, and hair on top of the door, but not on the rest of the back of the door. So takes Exhibit 42 here. What can we see? That's a picture of the exterior side of the door. Uh, you can see the blood toward the top of the door. So that would be like the front of the door. Right. And takes Exhibit 43. That's also the front of the door. Okay. And we can see some blood spatter up here in the corner. Yes. Would that be right? That's right. And then it appears to be hair as well? Yes, that's right. And we mentioned the um, defects in the window. Takes Exhibit 44 here. Can you see a hole in that window? Yes. And takes Exhibit 45. Yes, you can see one of the defects. Okay. And do you recall how many defects were in the window? Six, I believe. Later, did you have an occasion to go back out to the scene and re-examine that window? I did. Can you tell us what you did when you examined the window? Uh, we, we went to further document, uh, take more measurements of, of the area. Um, we scaled the defects and, and took several more measurements of where those defects were in the window. I'm going to show you six exhibits 114 and 115. Do you recognize those images? I do. Um, what is that? These are diagrams of the window that I created. Uh, one shows the interior side of the window and one shows the exterior side. Uh, shows where the defects are located in the window and all the measurements that we took uh, for each defect. Gunner, this time I move states 114 and 115 into evidence. Without objection. We're looking here at um, states 114. Do I have that in the correct orientation, Agent Worley? Yes. Can you kind of explain to the jurors the defects we're looking at here? I'm uh, sure. There's uh, defects A through, I believe, uh, G, um, starting from top to bottom. So it's like where it says defect A, defect B. What right. Is that? Those were the locations of where the bullet defects were in the glass. So those are holes in the glass. Right. Yes. And that is from the inside of the feed room. That's right. And states exhibit 115 here. What is that? That is the exterior side of the window. So those are the same defects, but from looking from the exterior, like yeah. from the outside of the room. Right. And what was kind of the purpose of that? Uh, in the event a reconstruction would ever be done of the scene, um, it's necessary to have specific measurements um, to be able to place those bullet defects, those holes back in in the window where they were um, based on measurements. Um, what else did you recall doing concerning the feed room? 
Uh, we collected um, several of the shot, shot shell pellet, uh, pellets. We also swabbed the exterior uh, doorknob of the room just uh, for potential touch DNA. Did you collect those pellets from the feed room floor? Yes, we did. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to break for lunch at this time and resume at 2.20. Have a good lunch, please, and I'll discuss the case. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. After the lunch break, Prosecutor Savannah Goud continues her questioning of SLED agent Melinda Worley about the collection of evidence in the feed room near which Paul Murdoch's body lay. All right, Agent Worley, I think we left off um, talking about some items in the feed room. That's right. Um, that being items 17 and 14. I think in this baggie that you had cut open earlier, item 14 is in that bag. And item 14 is the um, pellets from the feed room floor that you collected? Yes, that's right. And how do you know that that item contains those pellets? Uh, it's my handwriting on the envelope and the description of what I collected uh, with the date, time, and my initials, and my initials and the date on the seal tape. And does that item appear to have been um, opened or tampered with since you collected it? It was opened uh, by, the, I believe, the firearms examiner. After Judge Clifton Newman admits those items into evidence, Prosecutor Goud pivots to evidence collected near the other murder victim. All right, Agent Whirly, let's move on to Mac. Did you have a chance to observe her body? I did. And where was it located? She was uh, just past the workshop overhang uh, near the doghouse. First got out there, um, could you see her body or was it covered? It was covered with a pink sheet. You could take a look at those and tell us what, in general, they depict. These were uh, photos of Maggie, the way she appeared when we arrived on scene, still covered uh, with pink sheet. And are those um, true and accurate depictions of um, the crime scene where Maggie Murdaugh was found when you um, were out there? Yes, they are. Again, Judge Newman admits these items into evidence. Agent Corley, um, this is Tate's Exhibit 47. If you could kind of describe that to the jury. It's a photo uh, showing Maggie's body lying on the ground with the sheriff's office canopy over her, uh, looking toward the overhang uh, for the workshop, and you can see the kennels off to the right. These pictures are kind of hard to see on the screen. Is Paul's body also in that shot? Uh, you can sort of see the pink sheet that's over him, yes. Like over in front of the feed room door? Right. And then Maggie's is in front of this ATV? Yes, that's right. And takes exhibit 48? That's looking from a different angle of uh, Maggie, the doghouse in the background, the workshop overhang, and the ATVs to the right. And then takes exhibit 52? That was after uh, Maggie's body was removed from the area. This is um, states 50, submitted under seal. A uh, different angle of Maggie's body, I believe, still covered by the pink sheet. When you observed um, Maggie's body, what wounds did you observe? 
She was lying face down, both arms bent at the elbow. Her right arm was bent toward her face. Her left arm was bent underneath her body. Her legs were straight out behind her. This time I'll publish State Defendant's Exhibit 2, which is under seal. Is that how the body appeared to be on the scene? Yes, that is. Now, when the body was moved, did you notice anything? Uh, we located a, another cartridge case on the ground, uh, approximately where her right knee had been. So she was laying on top of a shell case? That's right. And did you collect that item? Yes, we marked it as marker 7, photographed it, and collected it. Do you recall what kind of round that was? It was a 300 blackout. Ask you to take a look at this baggie and if you can remove item 7. Agent Forlease takes exhibit 68, item 7. A 300 blackout recovered under the knee of Maggie Murdoch. How do you know um, that is that? This is my handwriting on the envelope, date, time, and initials when I collected it. Um, my initials and the date on the seal tape. This time I would move takes exhibit 68 into evidence. Submitted without objection. I'm going to show you um, State's Exhibit 61. Do you recognize that picture? Yes. What is that a picture of? It is uh, item 7, cartridge case, uh, located at marker 7 uh, before we collected it. Is that a true and accurate depiction of that casing at the crime scene? Yes, it is. Your Honor, at this time, the State would move State's Exhibit 61 into evidence. Submitted. And this is the shell casing here? Yes, it is. And this is a picture of it is located at the crime scene, correct? That's, that's right. Now, did you collect some other shell cases while you were out there? Yes, we did. And if we're looking in some of these pictures, you see the little yellow placards there. I don't know if we can see them that well on the screen here. What do each of those placards indicate? Uh, those are the evidence markers that the Sheriff's Office placed on cartridge cases that were on scene. Markers 3, 4, and 5 were, were all the same 300 blackout cartridge cases. And um, Agent Worley, what did you do with these cases um, once they were collected on the scene? I sealed them in those coin envelopes uh, that are in there with them. Uh, I transported them to the, the lab at uh, SLED. And when you got them to the lab at SLED, what did you do? I transferred uh, most of the evidence from the scene to one of the crime scene lieutenants, uh, Lieutenant Todd Shank. And does he take those items and put them in some sort of secure location, or what happens to them? He would have logged them into the, our database uh, and transferred them wherever they were going in the lab for analysis. After Prosecutor Goud has Agent Worley describe photos of each cartridge casing, along with pieces of brain matter and tissue in those photos, she moves on to impressions in the gravel near Paul Murdoch's body. Now, also, was there some kind of defect or something in the gravel that y'all inspected? Uh, yes, the at marker 13 that the Sheriff's Office had placed, uh, there was a, a disturbance in the, the gravel um, area that we, we dug into that area. Um, we presumed it was a bullet strike where a bullet had hit, um, so we dug into that area. And did you find anything when you were looking? Yes, we found several um, metal fragments. Carly, what did you just remove from this baggie from the crime lab. These are the metal fragments that I collected from in the ground at marker 13. And how do you know those are the metal fragments you collected? They look familiar. Uh, it's my handwriting on the envelope, uh, date, time, and initials when I collected it, and my initials on the seal. Agent Forley, going to show you state's exhibit 62. Do you recognize that picture? 
I do. Is that a fair and accurate depiction of a bullet fragments at the crime scene? It is, yes. Your Honor, at this time I would move State's Exhibit 62 into evidence. You admit it. And also, for ID purposes only, State's Exhibit um, 102, the bullet fragments. It's admitted for ID only. And Agent Worley, State's Exhibit 62, you could tell the jury what is on the, that placard there. Those are the metal fragments that we collected from the ground at marker 13. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our review of Slight Agent Melinda Worley's testimony. Also, check out the new crime story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.